Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We are currently in the series, Flaw Faith, a delightful series on how not to be. We hope it's a blessing. Good morning, Valley Point Church. It is great to see you, and I want to thank you for being here today. I think we have a very memorable time walking through God's Word coming for us, so it's great to see you. I also want to welcome all those who may be watching online. Thank you for joining us as well, and please let us know where you're watching from so that we can say hi to you. It's really good to have everybody in the room, though. And I'm thankful that you've chosen to come out on this Sunday. Before we jump into our content, I want to draw attention to this number over here, 14. Can we thank God for that? That number gets lower and lower each week, which is very exciting because that number represents the amount of Sundays we have left meeting here at the school before we occupy our new home. So keep praying about that timeline We're very excited about that move, and it is not far away from today. We had a candlelight prayer event last Sunday evening where we gathered in the mess of the construction, and I got to say, that was just a beautiful evening. It was a very special time, and the sight of seeing people write the names down underneath what will be the stage in that new auditorium, just writing down the names of people that we hope will join us here someday, was almost overwhelming. Just to watch that, to pray together as a family, a very special night for us. And I think it gave us just a small little glimpse, just a little glimpse of what it's going to be like when we get the chance to meet permanently in there So that was a very exciting time, and I want to encourage everybody, whether you were there or not, you keep praying about people that you want to fill the chair next to you in that new space, and keep praying about that timeline. 14 weeks away, it's going to move quickly. One other thing, I just want to draw attention to our Move In Well initiative, which technically wraps up today. Back in May... I launched this initiative where we said we wanted to pour special attention into specific areas of our new home, knowing that it would create great space for new attenders as well as for regular attenders. And we wanted to move into that space with excellence because excellence honors God and it inspires people. We also only have one chance to move in well, so we're not going to be doing this all of the time. So we put together this initiative where we said we wanted to raise $150,000 from May to the end of August. You can see that to date we have raised $69,743. That is a tremendous move of generosity over the summer, and I want to thank you for participating if you've done that. What I would ask is that you would keep praying about what God may want for you in this initiative so that you can partner with what God is doing here at Valley Point Church and certainly around the world so that we can effectively move in well and help everybody who walks through the doors of this place. So you keep praying about that. You listen to what God whispers into your heart. And then my encouragement would be, don't fear stepping out in faith with what God asks of you. I want you to take out your talk notes there in your program We're going to walk through a big idea and some scripture here in just a moment. And if you get your pen ready, your Bible, your device, if you like to look at scripture there, 
get all of those things ready because we're going to continue thinking about how we can move away from blah faith. Before we do that, let's just take a moment and pray together. God, we're grateful for another Sunday where we have the chance to respond to you and your greatness, where we get the chance to declare that we surrender. What a powerful statement. God, I pray that would be so much more than just words we sing. I pray that it would be our heart's cry, that we would truly mean this and desire this. And God, I pray that you would use our conversation today to keep moving us in that direction. May we be very ready as we walk out of here in just a few moments to say we want to surrender to you and to what you ask of us, what you whisper into our hearts. God, help us to be ready to listen and to do whatever it is that you ask of us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's something that you need to know about me, and that is I don't like running at all, especially running long distance. I think that's just a bad idea. I run occasionally. I prefer brisk walks. That's kind of enjoyable. But running long distance, that just sounds like a really bad thing to do. I have a daughter who is a junior at Eastern University, and she's on the cross-country team there. Her name's Clarice. And she loves to run. As a matter of fact, she just spent a whole week training with her team and preparing for their new season, and she's very excited about this. Over the summer, she was home, and just about every day as part of what she had to do in preparation for the new season is she had to run. And so in the dead heat of summer, she's out there running all over the place, and she would come in just a sweaty, hot mess and say, Dad. I just ran seven point whatever miles. It was the best. And in my mind, I'm thinking, the best. Really, the best. Because I'm thinking a bowl of ice cream right now would be the best. That sounds a whole lot better. I'm not into long distance running. She loves it. And for all of you who like to run a lot of miles, and you like to train for these marathons, you're crazy. (laughs) All right, you just need to know that today. Long distance running, I'm not into that. I have a 17-year-old son. His name is Chandler. He's a junior in high school. And my Chandler is really fast. He is just a blur, and when he runs, he can really motor. And so uh, about a year ago, I thought it'd be a good idea to challenge him to a race. Now, I knew I wouldn't be able to beat him, but I felt I was kind of fast back in the day, and so I could run, and I'll be able to push him a little bit, and I'll gain some respect this way. And so we set up the race. It's all bad thinking, isn't it? So we set up the race, and we both take off, and instantly he is way out in front of me. And he's actually looking over his shoulder, laughing at me, which I didn't think was very nice. And my mind is telling me, all right, now is the time where you need to kick into that second gear of speed, and you've got to catch up, and you can take him. My mind was communicating that to my legs. My legs were not responding. 
It didn't happen. And so he finishes way out in front of me. And then he goes, dad, dad, it didn't look like you were running very fast at all. What happened? And I said, well, you happened. And that's my story. Thank you very much, Chandler. Speed, sprints. I don't like those things now either. Think about this for a moment. This is probably fair to say for just about all of us in the room. We may not be able to run as fast as we once could in our younger years, but here's what happens. Here's what I've observed in my own life and in the lives of others and in working with people and coaching and listening to pain and hurt. Here's what I've discovered. We tend to transfer speed to other areas. And we tend to begin living lives that are a tad bit crowded and out of control. And we never take time to consider the pace of our lives. And we're doing and adding and more doing and adding and more doing over here and more adding over there. And all of a sudden, we have, the, we have these lives, these schedules, these calendars that are unsustainable. Just can't be maintained. Which leads to our big idea for today. And that is if you want to have blah faith, then run too fast. If you want blah faith, if you want a faith that is lacking in meaningful content and a faith that is boring, then run too fast. Now, let's do this. Let's define from a spiritual perspective what it means to run too fast. I think it sounds like this. It's an undisciplined, overloaded life with no margin. From a spiritual perspective, if we are running too fast, it's an undisciplined, overloaded life with no margin. Question. When that happens... What happens to us? When that happens, when all of a sudden we find ourselves living an undisciplined, overloaded life with no margin, what happens to us? Well, here's what happens. It leads to missing God moments. When we miss God moments, we become spiritually bankrupt. And when we become spiritually bankrupt, our faith becomes blah. And we don't want that. So when we have these undisciplined, overloaded lives with no margin at all for God to say, hey, you might want to do this, or you might want to consider this, or you might want to help out over here, or you might want to sacrifice in this way. When we have these overcrowded, undisciplined lives with no margin, there is no opportunity to experience true God moments. When God moments go away for us, we become spiritually bankrupt. And when we're spiritually bankrupt, faith is very blah. So how can we avoid this? All summer long, we've been talking about how we can step away from blah faith because that's not a good thing for us. And so today, as we approach a new season with school beginning soon and everything kind of ramping back up again, I think we've got to consider... If I run too fast, if I do that, I'm going to miss out on some great God moments. And we don't want that to happen because we don't want a spiritually bankrupt life and we don't want blah faith. So here's our path for today. Just so you know where we're going, I'm going to read a story from Acts chapter 3. It's an incredible story. 
about two individuals who are probably very busy. As a matter of fact, I know they were busy because they were launching the church. I mean, from the ground up, they're just beginning this thing that we enjoy today. So they're really busy. I'm sure they didn't have a lot of margin in their lives, but yet they still had time for God to say, hey, over there, do that. And they listened to that and experienced some great God moments. So we're going to walk through Acts chapter 3, these 11 verses. From the text there, I'm going to pull out some thinking points that I believe will challenge us. And then, I don't know if you notice this. I have a bucket over here today. Some of you have been staring at that bucket, like, what's going on over there? Well, I'm going to get to the bucket in just a moment, and I think that will make sense to you. We'll talk about the bucket, and then I've got some takeaways. Okay, so Acts chapter 3, we have a very dynamic story. From the text, we're going to pull out some thinking points. We're going to talk about the bucket, which represents our spiritual lives, and then I have some takeaways for us. Does that make sense? Great. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Acts chapter 3. We're going to hang out in these verses today. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. It follows John's gospel. So if you find the book of John and keep turning to the right, eventually you will bump into Acts, which is a marvelous book of history. If you like history, you should consider reading the book of Acts because it details for us Again, the launch of the church. Now, just to set some context, here's what's happening in Acts chapter 1. In the very first chapter, we find that Jesus has ascended and returned to heaven. Jesus came, he was born, he lived, and he died paying the price for our sins, and then he rose again. And the Gospels outline all of that for us and talk about how after He was resurrected. He was seen physically by people. There's proof of this. He was seen by several people. He spent a little bit of time with them, and then he returned to heaven. That is described in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 2, then, what we discover is that the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence within the believers. So here's the fascinating thing that Jesus communicated. I'm here, I have a purpose. I'm paying for the sins of the world. I will be killed, I will rise again, and then I will return to heaven. That's my whole purpose. But I will not leave you alone because when I go to heaven, I will send to you the Holy Spirit and he will take up residence within you and he will guide you and instruct you. And so in Acts chapter two, that's exactly what happens. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within the believers. And then what we find in Acts chapter 3 is a story about Peter and John. They are disciples of Jesus, and they get the chance to slow the pace a little bit. Because again, I'm convinced that life was very busy and active for them as they're doing all of the stuff related to the launch of the church. But they get the chance to slow the pace a little bit, and there's some things that we all can learn from this. So here's verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. Hang on to the name because we're going to talk about that gate in just a moment. So each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called 
the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Let's pause there for just a moment. Josephus, he's a Jewish historian, not an author of scripture, but a very respected Jewish historian. And in one of his books, he talks about the beautiful gate by the temple. And he described it this way. He said it was a bronze gate that was just astonishingly bright and beautiful. That's why it's called the beautiful gate. And so here we find our crippled man. He's being placed there. Here's the other unique thing about what we discover here. And that is Judaism connected piety or reverence for God, respect for God. Piety in Judaism was connected to generosity. So if you were a religious person, if you were reverencing God, if you were really honoring him and respecting him, most likely you were a generous person. And so if you were an individual who had financial need, like the crippled man, he has a really tough life. And he has no way to bring in income, and apparently there's no family around him to provide support. He's all on his own. He's got to beg for his life. Well, there's probably no better place to do that than at the beautiful gate, because it's right by the temple where religious people are going who respect God. Maybe, just maybe, they'll be generous to him. And so that's why we find this man there, of course. John and Peter, they're on their way to a prayer meeting, verse 3. When he, the crippled man, saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. Now, if you like to circle and underline, which I encourage you to do, I would ask that you underline that word, looked at him intently, that phrase there, looked at him intently. That word there, intently, in the construction of the sentence means to gaze upon, to stare at, to focus. Uniquely, it's the same word that we find back in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus has ascended into heaven. And what do we find the disciples doing? They're gazing. They're staring. They're fixing their eyes upon the resurrected Jesus. And what happened to him? And where did he go? And wow, this is just incredible. They're intently looking at him. That's the same word we find here in verse 4. Peter and John looked at him intently. They're, they're gazing. They're fixing their eyes. They're staring at the crippled man. It goes on to say, Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Bummer, (laughs) right? But here's the deal. I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking... Here's what he's doing. This is incredible. He's walking and leaping, as you can imagine, for the first time ever, he's praising God, and he went into the temple with them. Now, here's something that's important for us to know. God worked this way through the apostles. 
Peter and John are apostles. They are individuals who had time with Christ. And so during this particular time frame, God worked this way through the apostles and they could perform these kinds of miracles. And it gave credibility to the church, which was growing for the very first time. It was kind of a wow factor, like, check that out. We need to go see what's happening over there. And so this is a true miracle performed by these apostles. Verse 9, all the people saw him. Like, here's the wow factor. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate. They were absolutely astounded. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Great story. And I want to pull some thinking points now right out of the text that are going to help us to see some things that they did are the same kinds of things that we can do to create margin and look for opportunities to help other people so that everybody around has an opportunity to look up and praise God. So get your pens ready. Here's thinking point number one right out of the text. Even when we're doing good things, God wants us to look out and be ready for surprises. Even when we're in the middle of doing really good things, even godly things, I think God wants us to look up and to look out and to be ready for surprises. It's interesting to me that Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. Question, is praying a good thing? You can nod your heads, yes. That's not a trick question. Praying is a great thing. As a matter of fact, in one of our Blah Faith weeks, we actually said, if you want Blah Faith, pray less. And the implication there is we got to pray more because that moves us away from a faith that is boring and lacking in meaningful content. So prayer is an, it's a wonderful thing. And here we find the apostles, they're on their way to the temple to pray to do a very good thing, but yet God wanted to interrupt that very good thing with something that was a bit better. And if they were too busy, too consumed with, you know, I I can't deal with this right now. I'm going to the temple. I'm going to church. I don't have time for this inconvenience, this mess, this issue. Maybe somebody else will take care of that. Or maybe I can just respond a little bit later to this. No, they had enough margin in their schedules where they were willing to look up and out and be surprised with something that God wanted to do for them. So even when we're doing good things, you personalize this now. Even when you're doing good things, don't be afraid to look up and out and find some of the surprises and create margin so you can respond to that. Thinking point number two, God moments often begin with an irritation. They just do. Sometimes they begin with a pain or even a delay. You can kind of put whatever word you want in there that works for you. I like the word irritation because I believe that's what we find in the text. God moments often begin 
with irritations, pain, delays. And if you're anything like me, we don't like irritating things. We don't like pain. We don't like delays. And so we just keep adding and doing and adding and doing. And we don't have time to consider that the irritation, the pain, the delay, maybe the window of opportunity to step into a God moment. So God moments often begin with an irritation. Thinking point number three. When someone steps into a God moment, there will be an opportunity to point others to him. So when we step into this, there will be a chance for other people to see that God is fairly amazing and he is incredible. We find that in Acts chapter 3. And I think we find this when we experience our own God moments, no matter how small they may seem to us or even how big they may be. It's an opportunity just to point other people to God. I think the point of the story here in Acts chapter 3 is not that Peter and John are great guys, even though they are great guys. I mean, they're apostles, they're leaders, they're, they're building the church, they're healing people, they're great guys. But that's not the point of the story. I don't even think the point of the story is the miracle, which again did provide a bit of wow factor for the church and it created a crowd and they wanted to know what was happening with this man. This is the guy who used to sit by the beautiful gate and now he's jumping around and he's praising God. This is awesome. I don't think the point of the story is the miracle. I think the point of the story is that God gets credit and praise when we create enough margin in our lives for him to give us some God moments. And this is exactly what happened with Peter and John. They looked up. They looked up. And they allowed their journey to the three o'clock prayer meeting to be interrupted for just a little bit of time so that they could perform this miracle. And God gets all of the credit and the glory. My question is this. Peter and John were willing to let their schedules be interrupted. Will we? Will we? Allow our schedules, our calendars, and our lives to be interrupted just a little bit for a God moment. Will we do that? Will we do that? Or, or, are our spiritual buckets too empty for us to be able to give anything away to other people? On the screen, you're going to see a picture of a bucket. All right? It's really basic. I want you to draw that on your talk notes. Can you do that for me? I think most of you can handle that or at least get close. Okay? Draw that bucket. And after you draw the bucket, I want everyone here to walk through a spiritual assessment for just a few moments. You've got that bucket drawn. Where would you say is the waterline of your spiritual life right now? Think of that bucket representing your life, your friendship with God. Where's the waterline? Maybe some of you are going to draw that. It's full to overflowing. 
and you've been spending great time with God and your heart is soft and you're seeing him accomplish some great things and you're excited about God and you're trying to honor him in your imperfect ways and you're just excited and thrilled about your journey with God right now. You'd say, you know what? I think my spiritual life, my spiritual bucket, it's, it's, it's overflowing right now. That's a great thing. Maybe some of you would draw that line somewhere in the middle. You say, you know, I have a friendship with God and I'm trying to honor him, spending a little bit of time in his word, maybe not as much as what I should, but, you know, I'm trying, but it could certainly be a bit better. And so you draw that waterline somewhere in the middle. Maybe for some of you, you got to put that waterline somewhere at the bottom because you haven't really grown your friendship with God and you've pushed all of that to the side because you're doing and accomplishing and the calendar is full, and there's not a lot of space for God right now because there's other things occupying your time and your life and your schedule. Where would you say the waterline is in your spiritual bucket right now? Now, as you're thinking through that and drawing that, here's what empties our spiritual buckets. I believe the greatest thing that empties our buckets is speed. It's speed. It's going too fast, adding too much to our lives so that we quickly push God to the fringes. And boy, when life gets really fast and we're running around frantically, that just empties our buckets. It does. So what fills? There's good news here. Because I think there are some wonderful things we can engage in that fill our spiritual buckets, like time with God personally. It's when I look into God's word and I read, and even if I don't get it all, and even if I don't understand, I'm seeking to have him speak to me from his word. That just fills. And boy, when we come across a verse or a passage or a story that inspires or challenges or convicts, whatever it may be, that's just a filling thing. That's great. What else fills? This, gathering together, us in our imperfect ways, we get the chance to encourage each other. And when we spend time here with God's people, it just fills in a way that cannot fill when we're not here. Those are things that fill. Here's something else that I think fills our spiritual buckets. It's whenever we take a risk spiritually. Let me give you some examples. Whenever we have a faith conversation with someone, no matter how small that may be, even if it's just a few words, or even if it's a great, big, deep conversation, and anywhere in between, whatever that looks like, any faith conversation with other people, Wow, that fills. And that's a risk because that's a scary thing to do. But when we take that kind of risk, that just fills the bucket. Here's what else fills. Generosity. It's when I intentionally choose to live on less so that I have more to share with God and his work. It's all his anyway, but yet it's still a little risky to take that step, and that can be frightening, but when we step into that, when we become generous, that just fills the bucket. 
By the way, guess, guess what happens with a full bucket? Right? If your life is full spiritually and you get bumped a little bit because God's pushing you into a God moment, what happens? Right? Your spiritual life getting bumped into. It it touches. It impacts. It refreshes. By the way, you can't give away what you don't have. You can't. That's an impossibility. And so if the spiritual bucket isn't full, there's no way that this kind of stuff happens when God pushes us into moments at the beautiful gates in our lives. Just this past week, I was at a football practice for one of my other sons, Caden. He's 11, and he's playing football, and so I like going to the practice to watch these little guys tackle each other. It's great. As I'm at the football practice, waiting for that to end so I can pick him up and take him home, I have a friend that kind of bumps into me a little bit. He said, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm great. You know, we're watching our sons play football. It was a wonderful night. And he said, I got to tell you, God's doing something spiritually in my heart. And I don't know what it is. And I don't know what this all means, but there's something stirring in my heart right there. And so I looked at him and said, have fun. Enjoy listening to whatever God is doing in your heart and in your life. You, you pay attention to that, and I'll, I'll help you in any way that I possibly can. But you, you let God keep bubbling and, and stirring, because that's a pretty special thing. And he said, oh, it, it's happening on the inside. And then he said, Eric, I got a text from somebody in your church, and I want to share it with you. Well, whenever that happens, I get a little nervous, always hoping for the best. Right? So he pulls out his phone and he said, Here's what a friend that we have in common shared with me. And he wanted me to read the text. And so I, I began to scroll through that. And it was a beautiful note, just an unbelievable note of encouraging him. These two families had the chance to travel together to go help another family just about a week ago that walked through a tragedy. And they had the chance to travel together to go and encourage that family. And along the way, some conversations happened that are encouraging my friend and their friend. Texting. You know what that is? You know what I thought of? That text? You know what that represented? Somebody's life. Getting bumped. And stepping into a God moment and helping somebody think through really important, big issues in life. And again, you can't give away what you don't have. And so if you want blah faith, we can run too fast and not have time to pour into this bucket that represents our spiritual lives, or we can create some margin and fill these things so that when we get bumped, a little bit of this can happen. So get your notes ready. I want to give you some takeaways that will help you fill the spiritual bucket. Number one, reduce speed. And you do that by saying no to something. So everyone here has permission to go home this week 
and I hope you don't get in trouble at work or at school or anywhere else. You just say no to something, all right? And do that to create some margin in your life so that you can fill that bucket and let some good things spill out. Number two, spend time with God, both personally and corporately. Spend time with God. We need that time on our own. We need that time corporately together because this fills us. And if those are items that have been slipping in your life a little bit, it's never too late to begin the process of engaging again, spending time with God so that you can fill your spiritual bucket. Number three, slow down enough and start looking for God moments where you can add value. Right? Is this making sense? We sometimes run too fast. And there's no margin to look up and out and look for these opportunities to say, how can I add value to you? It's not about winning an argument. It's not about debating. It's about adding value. We talked about this a few weeks ago. If we want to have the right to speak to other people about deep issues of faith, we've got to first add value to them. And add value into the relationship. Add value into their organization. And then as our spiritual buckets are filled, stuff begins to spill out. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And nothing is too small when it comes to God moments. We probably encounter more of these than what we think. We're just not looking because, again, we're running too fast. Speed kills. So quick example. On my calendar about three weeks ago, I had a Monday meeting with Joe and Steve. So on Sunday, I normally begin the process of reviewing what's coming that week to make sure I've got everything all lined up the way it needs to be. And I'm big on calendaring, so I'm often running too fast and filling space. I do this all the time. So I look at my Monday agenda and realize, all right, Joe and Steve. Who's Joe and Steve? I have have no idea who they are. And I don't make all of my appointments, so I just assume this one was made for me. And at 11 o'clock on Monday, I'll find out who Joe and Steve are and what they need. So I'm sitting around my office. It's about five minutes before the meeting, and I'm really getting perplexed. Wow, Joe and Steve, I can't wait to meet them. This is going to be fun. They're going to come in. We'll sit down. We'll have a great conversation. Hopefully, I can encourage them. Maybe I'll pray with them, and we'll see what happens. Well, at that time frame, I realized, oh, Joe and Steve. They're the principals at the high school, and I set that appointment. And the reason I set that appointment with them was to share with them the new parking plan, because we have expanded parking lots, and we share that with students, and so we've been trying to figure out the number that we're going to be able to give to the school, and I was really excited prior to this. I set up this meeting with them at 11 o'clock on Monday, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is Joe and Steve. So I quickly got all of my plans together, and I ran over to the high school, and I was on time, thankfully, and I stepped into an office there and met with Joe and Steve. And I got to say to them, Valley Point's going to be giving the high school 131 parking spots this next year. Now, we've never been able to give more than 40, because that's all we've ever had. But because of construction and expanded parking lots... We're giving them quite a bit more. And so when I shared that with them, they just looked at me and said, you have no idea how much this helps us. You just have no idea. 
And they began to chit-chat a little bit amongst themselves. And I just sat there. This is a God moment. This is God right here. And this is a wonderful thing. And I got to represent you and your generosity and your faith steps that have enabled all of this project to move forward and say, we're going to give you a whole lot more than we've ever been able to do before. And it was a true God moment. Now, was that about parking? Not really. It was about Valley Point adding value into our community, meeting a need for them. And it just happens to fit around parking, adding value. So these God moments are everywhere. They're everywhere. Often we're just moving too fast and I almost missed an appointment that I made myself because I had a lot of other stuff going on. And so we've got to dig deep and fill our spiritual buckets so that we have more and more opportunity to do a little bit of this and let what's happening on the inside, our time with God, our time with each other, the spiritual risks that we're taking that fill us on the inside, spill out so that we move away from blah faith. But that all begins by reducing speed and looking up and looking out for opportunities to add value. So let's do that. Let's do that this week. And in the process, move away. Move away from blah faith. Father, we're overwhelmed sometimes with what we find in Scripture. And there is so much good stuff here that can challenge us us and speak to us and help us. God, often I find myself too busy. Just a lot of stuff to do. There's work and family and friends and hobbies and just a lot of stuff. And often we begin running too fast. We run too fast. And so, God, I pray that you'd help me and everyone here recognize the grand opportunity we have on the outset of a new season where school begins and everything kind of cranks back up again, that we would be able to say, we don't want to run too fast to where we miss out on, on these God moments. So God, I pray that you'd help us in the quietness of this moment now to just do a little business with you, to evaluate the level of our spiritual bucket. And God, if it's not full to overflowing, the good news is we can get there. We can get there, so help us to chase that. So that when we get bumped, what comes out is impactful, helpful, refreshing. God, if we're running too fast, though, we're just not going to see these things. So help us all. Help us all to make some great choices stepping out of here. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment.
Maybe God's really tugging on your heart today. And you're recognizing your speed. Your pace is a little too much. And, and you know it because you're perhaps discouraged about that or frustrated, but just feel like there's nothing that you can do to stop that. I just want to encourage you to have a great conversation with God right now and ask for his help in controlling the pace of your life. Ask for his help. I believe he'll respond to you, he'll meet you, and he'll encourage you and give you scripture and friends and people who can support your effort to slow down and create margin for him to use you. So just have a great conversation with God right now about slowing the pace. Maybe you're sensing this morning that your spiritual bucket is not as full as it should be. Would you just commit to doing everything you possibly can to filling that bucket so that God's love and grace and forgiveness in you can spill out and impact the lives of others. And who knows, maybe God will use you to send some texts or have some real conversations with people and God will begin to stir in their hearts as well. So just ask God to fill that spiritual bucket. your head bowed and your eyes still closed, if you've had some opportunity to lift up some requests before God today, and you're just ready to say, I need to slow the pace, whatever it takes, so that I can fill my spiritual bucket and allow God to work through me and let some of his goodness spill out of me and impact and refresh the lives of others. Here's what I'd like for you to do. If you really are desiring that and you really want that and you're ready at the start of a new season to commit to space and margin so God can work and you're not running around like crazy, I'd like for you just to slip your hand up and say, you know what, would you pray for me? And I'm going to do that in just a moment. But I'd love for you to slip your hand up and say, I need help. And I want you to pray over me in this closing moment. Go ahead and put your hand up. Hold them up so I can see them. Hands going up all over the auditorium. It's great. Keep them up. Anybody else want to say, you know what? Pray for me. I don't want to get too busy that God can't do something in and through me. Okay, you can put your hands down. Thank you for being brave and taking that step. Quietly, I'd like to ask everybody to stand. Will you do that with me? Let's just pray over those who raise their hands. God, so many hands all over the auditorium. It's people recognizing that the pace... It's too much, too fast. God, we will have blah faith if we 
run too fast because we're going to miss out on God moments. And when that happens, we'll be spiritually bankrupt. The bucket, the spiritual bucket will be empty. And God, we want that to be full. So God, for all of those who raised their hands this morning, I pray that you would encourage them. God, help them to sense your presence in their lives. Help them to see that you love them and that you want to use them to have impact where they live, where they work, where they go to school, whatever that looks like. God, you want to use them to add value into relationships and into organizations. So God, for all those that raise their hands, I pray that you would use them in the weeks to come, that you would help them to recognize and to see these God moments that are right there and to step right into them, knowing that they're going to refresh and help. God, I pray for everybody in the room now that you would help us to really contemplate where that water line is in our spiritual lives and what are the next steps we need to take to increase that. So what spills out of us is what you want and adds value and makes impact and refreshes. So God, help us all to look up and to look out and not be too busy that we can't stop at the beautiful gate to help those who are sick and discouraged and down and hurting in our lives. God, we have these individuals. Help us to see them. Help us to see them. I pray this now in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.